Hello and welcome to this week's Trash Future. It's me, Riley. I'm here in studio with the full TF crowd. I've got Hussein. Hi. I've got Milo. Hello, it's me. We live have board, in studio. We have Boards Master Nate. Hello. And from a continuing to be crisp Glasgow, we have Alice. <laughs> yes, with my beautiful new microphone. Hello. I, I'm going to introduce it as Crisp Glasgow Forever. Mm. Uh, and before we get mm. into things, because do Lord, in Glasgow, Lord be do we have things to get into, uh, I just want to remind everyone we are going to be at the Bristol Transformed Festival on the 6th of March, and we are going to be doing a live show in London with special guest Molly Goodfellow, uh, friend mm. of the show and fan favorite. For she is a Molly Goodfellow. <laughs> For she is a Molly Goodfellow indeed. Uh, and that is going to be on the 11th of March at Vauxhall Comedy Club. Links for all of it are going to be in the description. However, mm. sometimes an article hoves into view that I realize contains not just multitudes, but an entire show. A little slice of culture a little slice of politics and the economy, all of these things put together mm. that is so perfect that we cannot but gather round this old dusty podcast table, mm. put on our headphones, and continue to do what it is that we do. A slice of that gabagool from the old country. <laughs> Why did we buy this podcast table from the spectators secondhand? <laughs> Wait, that's not dust. They were dust. giving it away free. That's not dust. That's... <laughs> all right. So, uh, racism. In two, <laughs> it's, just, it's just fucking yeah. boot polish. <laughs> so, in 2012, Chad Reynolds found himself name. on a South Carolina Immediate name. Oh, yes. There will be some names. Yeah. Oh, they go and be some names. There are going to be some names. In 2012, Chad Reynolds found himself on a South Carolina beach at midnight. Was as he floated beach? in the dark water, he had what he describes as his first real conversation with God. What was he, he doing there, with God, his life? God, it's me, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> well, early contender for the episode title right there. Uh, the Chad Chad and the Virgin God. Yes. Uh, what was he doing with his life, he asked. Why wasn't he with someone? And why did he feel so empty? These are the opening words of the article, Deliver Us, Lord, from the Startup Life, in Wired by Catherine Joyce. Mm. And this article is all about how this bobbing ocean-going Chad is here to try and save souls and the Naval economy Chad. of the Midwest with a combination of God, apps, and a little help from his friends. Did God tell him to eat an all-beef diet? Was that mm. the solution? <laughs> Just a very buoyant Chad. Mm. Indeed. So, Reynolds, a 36-year-old designer and startup founder from Cincinnati, Ohio, had been working relentlessly, rarely taking vacations, ignoring his health, and neglecting his family and friends for years. That is some Chad shit yes. right now. Mm. Well, that's, that's the standard, the standard tech bro life. That's the, the bargain you make, is you get an outsized reward in return for basically selling yourself entirely yeah. to whatever your business He's basically is. living the life of a sim when you've got like a very particular <laughs> agenda in mind. Like he keeps crying but you're just making him spend 24 hours a day at the gym <laughs> because you want to fuck the general. In 2008 Reynolds set aside a few months to quote sit still. During this hiatus he went to a Sunday service at Cincinnati's Crossroads Church recommended by a friend. At the time a mega church of 9,000 members. You could tell there was something extremely creative and entrepreneurial happening in that church, he remembers. Jesus. It occurred to him, that, yes, Alice, that's right. Oh. It occurred to him <sighs> that if he could somehow incorporate his budding faith into his next venture, things could be different. 
Yeah, I too remember mm. when Paul is struck off his mount on the road to Damascus by a feeling yeah. of something extremely creative and entrepreneurial happening. I also love attending a division-sized church. That's my oh, favorite. Oh, sweet summer child, it gets bigger. <laughs> do you realize, Alice, that I know you've read the notes, but you do realize mm. that uh, uh, a theological link between entrepreneurship and St. Paul the Apostle is legitimately something that this dude winds up saw- saying. Oh, yes. Th- th- mm. th- th- this was what I was going for. Yes. Yeah. So, Crossroads Church is going to come up in this episode pretty frequently. All you need to know now, though, is that Cincinnati is a town that contains Procter & Gamble's HQ, one of the companies that owns, like, every brand, Mm. um, and that this church was founded by P&G executives, and, like, 274 of its, like, senior steering staff all have close ties with Procter & Gamble as well. I actually really prefer the Unilever church across the way. (laughs) (laughs) What what is that, like a a Dutch Dutch Unitarian church? (laughs) Yeah, it's Mm. kind of a gay in the roof and uh, you can wear blackface whenever you want as he bobbed (laughs) in the dark atlantic reynolds says he heard a message in reply to his plea it was a yo that that was a story of how yo was founded (laughs) that god had given him talents and gifts so they could be put to use helping other people and that he needed to be more aggressive he needed to take a leap of faith god's side of that midnight conversation was half encouragement and half dare it was then that I realized that I still had my AirPods in and I was listening to an Andrew Tate lecture. <laughs> Even though you can't see the bottom, I've got you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to help you. What we have here, I think, is a version of... We, we've all talked about uh, how American Protestantism mm. has this very personal God who more or less kind of resolves into a vision board or a business plan. Mm. Mm. Um, it sort of is... where It's like um, it's like in the show The Righteous Gemstones that was discussed on Chapo, where the, the main character, Jesse Gemstone, is able to get down on his knees and pray and say, Good morning, Jesus. I know that you love me and all the bad stuff I do. You know that's not me because I'm a good person. American yes, Protestantism yeah. is basically Act like a waste man. That's it's not basically me. the religious version of that. I haven't listened to this episode of Chaffer, so I'm just like amazed at the the name um Jerry uh, Jesse Gemstone. Je- Jesse Gemstone. I was just gonna say too that I mean, bear in mind to me, this may not be an immediate sort of memory trigger for you guys, but coming from the Midwest, I'm, my parents live about an hour from from Cincinnati. Um, mega churches are like a really weird kind of Protestantism in the sense that they're really not doctrinal at all. There's basically the Bible and there's the charismatic preacher, but mm. there's nowhere near as what we might describe as sort of like Christian Hadiths or Gospels. Or <laughs> those lines. It's very much driven about like this extremely contemporary relate everything to your modern life through Jesus. Mm. And so in a way, this doesn't seem out of the ordinary. It mm. just seems like a spin. Well, but I feel like it's important to point that out that... Yeah. You'll mm. talk about this, I know, Riley, about about some of these things being kind of like weird strains mm. of Catholicism or Calvinism in the way that they wind up inserting themselves into people's lives. But I think the fundamental thing to understand is that these things are huge empty vessels. There isn't mm. any doctrine. There's just, there's Jesus, an incredibly good AV production inside the church. Mm. Well, so, <laughs> that one step ahead of us. So the, what you... What you have is, is is what has been discussed before is that American Protestantism is worship of capital and the nation because that's what was mm. poured into these giant empty vessels. But mm. these oh, that's just the thing, and I think you're right. These are gi- mega churches are giant empty vessels, and they'll take the shape of what's poured in them. And also, mm. this is a tradition in the United States with revivalism, and it takes these shapes throughout whatever era you're watching it. This is obviously a weird amalgam, mm. but it's not. This isn't out of the ordinary in terms of, like this is not like a new permutation of American. Mm. But what Christianity. I'm saying is that it's a different shape. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. A, oh, the, for the, for the, sure, yeah. This mm. is not the 
nation flag gun culture war shape of the Falwells. This is something no. entirely no, this new. Is, this, and we'll this, see. Is, this is basically like we I grew up with, you know, my, my friends going to like Reverend Spike's cool ch- teen church. This is basically church. How does we'll how, what does God want you to do with your smartphone? Now I'm just imagining like the righteous man eats a Wendy's Baconator for the man at Denny's walks in the Valley of Satan. <laughs> uh, that's that, uh, alarmingly accurate to what Christianity oh, no. has become in the continent of North America. So mm. when he got back to work, Reverend Reynolds recommitted himself to his company. Uh, he describes his midnight conversion as, quote, getting an upgrade to his operating system. Oh, uh, no. And came uh. to see the mission of his company as a way of fulfilling the charge that God had given him to go out and improve the world. Has he become really buggy since then? Christ's love is free, but there are in-app purchases. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, there are a million guys like this. It's just that uh, the charge that they think God has given them is building a better jet ski dealership or something. <laughs> when, you, when you fail to not sleep with hookers for the third time in a row, Jesus comes down and was like, would you like to buy some coins to help you with this? <laughs> this God-given mission was to build this company called Battery with two eyes. No, no, why? Mm. This is from their the website. jet ski guy instead. Wait, uh, normally it has two Battery. T's. Battery is revolutionizing qualitative consumer research by putting brands in touch with quality focus group candidates faster and easier than traditional methods. Our platform gives you access to hundreds of unique communities that you send on missions for your brand. So that's that's the mission from God huh. is to do focus groups. Oh, well, that's, I guess I guess God has always worked through focus groups in a way. I mean, what were the apostles if not kind of a focus group? <laughs> Every time, well, you say missions are bringing negative energy from you, Judas. Mm. All I think is like the absurd fucking missions on Mountain Blade and how angry they made me. <laughs> so over the, past, over the past decade or so, the amount of venture capital flowing into the Midwest has expanded enough for thousands of tech startups to sprout up in the old line cities of the Rust Belt. And this story tends to be told as down and out heartland cities hustling to remake themselves in the image of Silicon Valley, the album venture capitalists like like uh, Hillbilly Elegy authors uh, J.D. Vance unveiled like a $150 million investment fund. But the article mm. continues, as the demographic graphics t- of tech have become more incrementally more Midwestern, these regional outposts have also set about remaking the industry in their own likeness, particularly where matters of faith are concerned. So now, you're telling mention- me that J.D. Vance got it wrong and that these places wouldn't become more li- liberal and more like Silicon Valley as they got invested in. Well, the, the mention of Vets, I think, shouldn't get past anyone. Like Anyone who takes this book seriously uh, would essentially consider what we'll be discussing, which is that there is a megachurch come startup incubator and gentrification engine, which is exactly the solution to the creeping tide of political polarization in America, according to that analysis, which hmm. is that there is a, a, a good and nice working class that has become corrupted by the, by the, by capital going away from them and that you you need to do is bring capital and morality back so that they mm. can become righteous upstanding members of the working class like that's largely the JD Vance argument and mm. so what better than a mega church that's also a startup en- a startup incubator mm. which we will discuss hillbilly elegy but there's no vowels in it so <laughs> it's an entire book the of bay consonants area, the bay area currently has like an enormous amount of U- of US venture capital funding and a big theme of what gets discussed in this article is that yes big tech is still considered allergic to expressions of faith and for some Christians, accordingly, the inter- industry <laughs> the, These days you'll get thrown in jail for saying you're wise. <laughs> yeah, for some Christians, accordingly, the industry's shift towards the heartland has been liberating. Jason Heinrichs, the founder of several Midwestern finance and tech organizations, says, When my wife and I moved back to the Midwest, it was so much easier to be a Christian than in all those other places. In Chicago, he goes on, if you casually mention that you're going to church, 
there's a set of there's aren't these sets of assumptions that you're a Trump supporter, a gun toter, or out protesting on weekends? Those Unlike where we lived before in Whitechapel, where I kept being arrested by the Sharia police. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you're, I mean, let's 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 park there for a second, right? Like, it's it's incredibly easy to be a Christian anywhere in America. There's literally no place that they're persecuted. Like, remember when Bloomberg put the entire Christian population of New York under surveillance? Is this is this fucking guy living in Aaron Sorkin's imagination in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, where they're just condescending to crazy Christians? I would say I would say that if you are what I would describe as the sort of like evangelical talking about being saved, talking about God calling you to do things, that will come across as very strange if you live in a place like the Bay area or new york in the sense that people might be religious but i think the frankness with which a lot of evangelicals talk about it if you live in the south if you live in uh the midwest i I think that they're not to say that this guy has a point because i mean in a sense that there are you're gonna on average more people that you encounter in your Mm. professional life are going to be evangelical christians in the midwest or in the south than they are in in those other areas that doesn't mean it doesn't happen i do i mean it's, it's more to say that like your average tech startup person doesn't give a fuck about church Whereas your average white collar person, white collar job having suburban person in the Midwest might very well. Mm. Like that's that's their target demographic in the, in the way that in New York, for example, where I used to mm. live, the majority of religious communities are immigrants. They're not, you know, fourth generation Americans mm. with white collar jobs. There are some, it's, but it's, it's rarer. The, it's the language of persecution that I can't get around. The idea that mm. they are escaping a place where they're not welcome. Mm-hmm. To go to find and build this new community where they are, mm-hmm. and this is the language that again is going to come up throughout this as these people are talked to. I mean, if you were booted out the polycule for like finding God, I don't know that that would amount to persecution. <laughs> Asking my polycule if they've been saved. I would say that there absolutely anywhere you go in America, there is absolutely this idea that you're somehow under siege for being a Christian because it's this thing that's hard coded into basically any conservative or center of right media. I remember this living in North Carolina and I was getting my car fixed and there was some relatively benign story that Fox News was covering in its usual Obama wants to turn you gay and Muslim way. Mm-hmm. And all like the, you know, other Volkswagen customers at the Volkswagen dealership in Fayetteville, North Carolina, who are white dudes, were just like, I can't fucking believe this guy. They were losing their mind. And I was just sort of like, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm in civilian clothes, but you know, obviously normally it'd be in uniform. And they kept looking at me to agree with them. And I just remember thinking like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, you mm. clearly you have enough money to afford a fucking Volkswagen in America. Like, what what are you so mad about? Obama but, wants to take my fucking Jetta, and I'm not <laughs> standing for it. But that's 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 a hundred percent such a default thing that like this, the way he's phrasing it is more of like the the cuddly, I'm happy to find my people kind of thing. But I think mm. that that mm. that idea. I mean, you can find that same Christians are under siege, white people under siege mentality in fucking Orange County, California. Mm. And, you know, you can find it. You can mm. probably, I'm sure, you can find it in like Nassau County, Long Island or Westchester County, New York, all these places. Someone say that's what the movie Under Siege is really about. Because because I think that, <laughs> I, I think that's that's a thing that I, I there is a point to be made that these kinds of open expressions of evangelical Christianity are way more I mean, no one in New York ever asked me if I would go to their church. And mm. I mean obviously people like Orthodox Jewish people come up to me and ask me to fucking go to shul with them. But any anywhere I lived in the South, my neighbors, the first thing they'd ask me is was I a Christian? Do I go to church? Do I want to go to their church? Like that is such a common thing. Mm. So I imagine that if you grew up with that then the Bay Area might seem kind of hostile when people mm. are more be like, you know, do you want to drink kava and do DMT with me? Uh, that's communing <laughs> with God in a different way. Wait, moving in next so, to Joe Rogan. So that's, <laughs> that's, one, that's one of the themes, which is this idea of building a new promised land for Christians and traditionally liberal jobs. Mm-hmm. The second of these themes 
it, this comes out here, which is, as the article says, perhaps the most interesting part of the Midwestern convergence of faith and technology is the way people there have begun to question the culture of tech entrepreneurship and try to make it more humane. Being an entrepreneur, you go through some very dark moments, says upcoming name Christy Zulki. Um, hmm. The 37-year-old co-founder of Knowledge Hound, a Chicago-based data visualization startup. McGruff, the knowledge dog. <laughs> so, what <laughs> he barks anytime someone knows something. Uh, so, what what what's the problem here that we're actually trying to solve? That Christy that, that Christy Zolke says that the Midwest startup community is trying to solve, or not in the Midwest rather, the more humane approach to entrepreneurship is trying to solve. Well, is, she, is it like the underlying inhumanity of? Entrepreneurship as a whole, raising funding is very lonely. Oh, close. I enough. mean, I was more concerned mm. with like when Amazon treats it's you know in my home state, it's cheaper for them to put an ambulance outside versus having air conditioning in a state where it, it can be above a hundred in fucking August. Yes, Nate, um, but, but did you I mean, hey, that's that's not real. I'm I'm also concerned about even when you think about Amazon treating its white collar workers. Where if you remember the New York Times story, a woman had a miscarriage and she didn't come to work the next day because she was still in the hospital, and her boss sent her an email like, "Why the fuck aren't you at your desk?" No, no, like all that stuff you said, yes, but have you considered that raising funding is very lonely? You're basically convincing mm-hmm. every everyone that your idea is amazing well they constantly shoot it down again i wonder why <laughs> considering you what we telling cover- me that this is a wendy's <laughs> or refuse to listen to my idea for a knowledge dog <laughs> people I- keep shooting down my knowledge dog <laughs> hey when the cops come to my house and shoot my knowledge skull <laughs> <laughs> runs over my knowledge dog with a tang <laughs> it's the sort of thing that can make people question their faith or if you don't have a faith you start to clamor for hope that there's a light mm. at the end of the tunnel now if you don't have a faith then you start a podcast no that's mm. the correct this is like such a bizarre view of what faith like is supposed to represent right like it i don't know if this like makes any sense but to me it sort of sounds you know the kind of conventional way of supposedly seeking capsule for your um bizarrely knowledgeable dog uh <laughs> is by convincing investors uh that like their already inflated numbers are actually fine and they'll just get more and more inflated and you've just kind of got to believe in the numbers and when that doesn't when your idea is so bad that you can't convince a bunch of high um, bird-brained VCs in Cal- like Southern California that your knowledge dog actually does um, g- can also do ra- can also do racism as well. Uh, mm. You know, um, it, it well number one it goes to show that your idea is really bad, but yeah. it's also this idea that well if I'm really faithful and if I'm like a servant of God, if you like mm. whatever you want to call it, then I should be bestowed these things. So mm. if I'm not bestowed these things, like you know. Mm, uh, sure. that's, well, like my, my, that's my crisis of faith and like that's not how kind of faith should like that type of relationship with god should work mm. and this is what can, maybe this is explained like further down or like in our conversation further but faith is supposed to be about struggle so i'm trying to understand why why like even the kind of small the kind of the smallest amount of pushback to a real world um, idea is kind of causing a crisis just of telling the pitch meeting that I'm trying to do jihad and wondering why they're all mad at me. So I, I think the key, one of the key insights here, right? I think this speaks to what you're saying, Hussein, as well, is like their their version of Christianity is extremely secularized. I think Nate, this goes to what you were saying earlier about how mega churches are basically just social clubs for evangelicals that take on the shape of whatever they're yeah. in and manifest. Republican movement conservatism into yeah. like a sort of mm-hmm. theological underpinning. And so it's basically like if you think about the gemstone Falwell personal God as a kind of as a kind of sort of as a kind of justification for whatever you want to do, whatever hierarchy you're in, this is different. It's basically like that gemstone Falwell personal God that just tells you everything and is a Calvinist wish fulfillment engine. 
it's different. It's concerned with works, stewardship, and ownership, but ultimately, and this is unstated, but again, runs throughout like a vein, reassuring you that you are destined to be on the top of a paternalistic hierarchy. Mm. I mean, I but will in say a that, nice way, in a nice way, rather than in the F-150 way. And, and to Hussein, yeah. to your point, it's not... It's not a it's not a challenge. It's a reassurance. It's it's a comforter. It's a blanket. I mean, I will say, if you go into a meeting of Midwestern VCs and tell them you want to make Tinder, but for you, that Jesus is calling you to make Tinder, but for ultimate frisbee, that won't seem as weird as if you said it in California, because in the Midwest, two of the people in that meeting have probably met their significant others that way. You know, God <laughs> called them to play ultimate frisbee together, and that's how it happened. Mm. So there is no more Christian ass sport than ultimate frisbee. To be fair, as <laughs> you're praying, you won't look like an asshole. Mm. In many ways, in the end of the day, isn't Jesus the real ultimate frisbee? <laughs> hey kids, let me wrap with you all. Let me wrap with you all about a loose dude who hung out in Galilee and liked to throw the disc around with a few of his friends, or shall I say, apostles. That's right, Jesus Christ. Off-brand off ultimate frisbee is like <laughs> so that final disc. Uh, so, Cincinnati, which has become one of the Midwest-leading tech cities, has also become a hub for people trying to find some relief from the loneliness at the heart of this industry that prizes unending drive and competition. That's the um, real problem with the industry, is the loneliness but at the heart I mean, that, that also could just be capitalism in miniature. Mm. Like it's not just the tech industry that's driving loneliness and constant competition. No, um, and, and the loneliness is real. Like just because we're making fun of it because other people have worse problems doesn't mean that Christy Zunka or whatever her name is isn't genuinely feeling quite sad about having to pitch her unusually smart dog. I think as ever, like mental health discourse is now one of these things where like it started out as a good idea and it's now become a monster which we're gonna have to slay at some point because even mm. the fucking startup dipshits are like you know raising venture capital funding is a lonely place and it's like no no one cares fuck off <laughs> so um that that there was a group to for these people with this common interest to connect was in part thanks to chad reynolds who we know who yeah, banded the, the together bobbing chad the bobbing brother, chad, brother of bert who banded together with a group of entrepreneur friends including and again i don't know if we have like a name siren we can have but um mm. Tim Brunk. <laughs> <laughs> that, now that is a fucking Midwestern ass surname. Hunks before mm. Brunks. Very yeah. excited. Hunks before Brunk. Never been thunk. All these people, mm. all these people wear a white polo shirt Business that's tucked brunk. into a pair of khakis. Um, <laughs> they all wear the same. That's the, like the Midwestern uniform. Yeah, they're actually they're like an action man, and you can't take the khakis and polo shirt off them. <laughs> no, they have no if genitals. If I take that plaid off, will you die? <laughs> Tim, Tim Brunk has a startup called Cladwell. <laughs> Personal styling for those who don't fit in a box. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell, the guy who just dresses snappy, but through insane theories. Oh, well, the real secret to unemployment is just wearing your underwear lovely your trousers. But your closet can be changed forever, goes the marketing text for Cladwell. It's as simple as making a choice. A choice to start dressing based on what we like rather than what, what on others think. Rather than what our wife tells us to do. <laughs> we I'm my own person, Janice. Uh, Janice, now that's a Midwestern name as well. Oh, yeah. Janice Brunk. And Tim, and, and Tim, now not Brianna as good a Brunk. Not as good a name after, Ti after Tim Brunk, but still would be a good name not if it just come after Tim Brunk. Tim Metzner. Co founder what, what the of a fuck do you let all these fucking Germans immigrate Cincinnati. to the US? Cincinnati is full mm. of German Catholics, I swear and to this God. This is what happens. This is what happens is 200 years later, you end up with a guy named Tim Brunk. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no. that, in a second, we're going to get Timmy Lee voiced mine handy. Uh, this, <laughs> you know, the startup Tim Metzner had was called Differential, which is a software uh, board. doesn't do anything mm. stupid, I don't think. Maybe it does. And they started an organization that would eventually be called Ocean, uh, named after Reynolds' not long dark night of the soul. They were, in large part, responding to a hunger among their fellow entrepreneurs to redefine what success means in tech. So what is, what? What is Ocean? Well, Ocean, what we'll find, we will find out, is a, an angel investor. That, oh, uh, you're, you're doing a thing. Yeah. I, mm. Invest in the angels. Yes, <laughs> but, no, but in the biblical angels, the fucked up ones that drive you crazy if you see them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, we'll, but we'll come back to Ocean a little bit later. <laughs> There's like a big secret. Like, We're only investing in the Muslim angels. <laughs> like, I love being the CEO of Ocean <laughs> Incorporated. Only, inv- only investing in Muslim angels. My boss knows that I'm doing this. My brain is so broken that whenever I think of angel investor, I just think of like uh, Gendo Ikari. <laughs> yes. So, Crossroads. The congreg- we're we're going to come back to that, but Crossroads is this church we mentioned earlier. It's the congregation that helped usher Reynolds towards his conversation with God. And as in mm. recent years, it has become the emblem for the fusion of sensibilities between church, tech and evangelical Christianity. Today, it is a 52,000-member megachurch with 13 Damn. campuses, a presence in six prisons, and an app called Crossroads Anywhere. Hell yeah, I love cool. to disrupt prisons. Yeah, mm. love, I, love I, a prison ministry. Nothing, nothing mm. weird about that. Can I can I throw a couple of things in here really quickly? So um, one thing to bear in mind when talking about this part of the U.S. and about this sort of tendency in general is that, and I know Riley, you're going to talk about NAFTA and the sort of after effects of that, but this area used to be very tied in with heavy manufacturing in the United States. Um, I laughed for a second when I when I saw they just retired the one of the oldest lot sets of train cars in New York City subway that were built by the St. Louis car company, the St. Louis train car company in the early 60s and had been on the fucking rails in the subway that long because they used to make stuff like train cars in St. Louis and they used to make cars and car parts and consumer electronics all throughout this region. So this is an area that's been really hard hit. Um, they cities that were they were more or less segregated. A lot of them were destroyed in riots in 1968. They weren't the, the cities were underinvested. They had a ton of white flight. They had a ton of problems with um, the opiate crisis. They still have problems with it. You know, you've got huge, huge problems with people dying of heroin overdoses in places like Cincinnati, Ohio, just Ohio in general. Cincinnati is South Ohio, and that's close. Like anywhere close to the Ohio River, going into Appalachia, you are dealing with huge problems where basically for a decade plus the only medicaid approved fucking health clinic you could go to that hadn't been shut down by the by state budget cutting was a pain clinic that just gave you oxycontin so this area has got problems that are are magnified versus your garden variety america fucking brezhnev rotting from the inside problems um and so the idea of like what's the appeal of these kinds of things you can't really live in these areas without being confronted with the reality of this. Whether you've got a job and you you know have a suburban home and whatnot, or you're you're down on your luck, the idea of there being a fifty-two thousand member megachurch with presence in prisons kind of makes sense. Because to be honest with you, if this is if they are appealing to people who are born and raised who aren't transplants, and quite frankly, there's not that many of them in a place like that mm. compared to other cities in America, a lot of them probably know folks in prison. So a lot of them mm. probably have relatives who are in prison for heroin or for 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 drugs. A lot of them have uh, relatives who died from that shit. So I mean, it's the 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 kind of. It, there is a spiritual crisis, don't get me wrong. It's got material causes, mm. but there is absolutely a spiritual well, crisis in this region. What we're going to find, what we're going to find is that Crossroads is as much as they're claiming to solve it is in fact acting in ways that are mm. driving it. 
Yeah, mm. raising funds to buy heroin can be a lonely place, but what <laughs> if think, those tracks were a railroad honestly, to salvation? <laughs> honestly, what they did raise funds for, it would have been better if they just did what you said. Damn. Mm. Damn uh, Rory well, Stewart, room to disrupt. <laughs> we'll, we'll, fi- we'll find out what that is later, but the lead pastor, Brian Tome, likes to say that Crossroads is... Yeah, Brian Tome. He's a nominative determinism. It strikes <laughs> he's actually, again. He's actually distantly related to the Chuckle Brothers. They changed it at Ellis Island. It was originally Brian to me. <laughs> so it's lead pastor, Brian to me, likes to say yeah. that Crossroads is, quote, more of a startup than a church. And now this is an excerpt from oh, another no. article detailing one of the sermons. So, at the end of the aisles, attendants wait, holding pails overflowing with packets of apple seeds. God has placed this seed in you, and he wants to see it come to fruitfulness. (laughs) Tome says to the crowd, his spiked and styled dirty blonde hair and untucked plaid shirt lending him the air of an aging film star. He's got Uh, Fieri. Let let God lead you to Flavortown. No, he's he's the front man of Linkin Park when Linkin Park first came out. Slathering barbecue sauce on the Bible. (laughs) Bowing his head, he prays, asking God to lead everyone to the right seed that will bring forth the right fruit at the right time in every business. Those who are inspired are to take these seeds from the attendance and go forth claiming their spiritual destinies as entrepreneurs but pasta these are all poppy seeds <laughs> right but also i, I want to i like that that phrase claiming their spiritual destinies as entrepreneurs i mean the fallwells with their rampant corruption frothing culture war and draconian university honor codes they're a yesterday organization you know, crossroads is the organization of tomorrow they don't need to buy brian tome a jet they don't need to like be skimming off the top. They don't need to be doing any of that because they just have the startup money there. And it's about the Protestant anxiety of elevating yourself above the rest, but also the Protestant this anxiety to evangelize by genuinely saving others. But to be sure, saving them from lives not just without Christ, but without fulfilling jobs as product owners for my startup that's well, tender like, for dogs. For, for sure, these people aren't dominionists, right? They're not grooming uh, a bunch of like... Uh, suit and tie freaks who are going to infiltrate the Department of Justice and work their way up or whatever. They're interested in making Christian Apple or whatever. Yeah, yeah I think I think that I disagree with your point that the Falwells are yesterday's story. It's more that the people that they have brought to their side now live in a completely sealed, enclosed yeah, ecosystem different niche. Different that, niche. That, that, that isn't going to cross paths with this because those people live in places where their schools are all private Christian schools and they typically live around the areas like, you know, in, in the Atlantic coast or the South. They, they are such a hermetically sealed environment that those people aren't really going to, you're not going to draw them away from the church they've been going to, or you're not going to draw yeah, very yeah. many of them. Yeah. So they're, more, they're in an armed camp. Just this, wasting this, seems, for... this seems more like, like an opportunity to, to build a business off the back of, of drawing people who are, uh, who probably are familiar with evangelical Christianity, but like this is just the mm. angle by which they've tried to make mm. it relate to them. Yeah, we I used to have Jerry Falwell, I, and now we have Jerry Fail Forward, and I, I think that's of, progress. I kind of think that like they've taken a model that already exists, and they're just kind of applying startup aesthetic to it. Like the thing that whenever I'm kind of when I was reading this and I'm hearing it now, it's like I, well, the thing I'm thinking about is like Amway and like MLMs, mm-hmm. right? Because where were the where were like most of these MLMs? Um, Amway being kind of like the cosmetics company, I think, that was like targeting um, women mainly from the Midwest and mainly from these kind of like traditional small kind of Mm -hmm, towns mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. cities where religion like was a really big deal. And like if you were a woman who wanted to like even go and 
do like full-time college that was like something that was really kind of yeah. frowned upon or kind of you would be looked at in a weird way um and what did the guys at amway do like the well the people at amway who were just kind of saying well you could run your own business from home and you can still kind of fulfill your christian duties you can you know you can go to church and work at the same time yeah. by getting more people onto amway you can look after your kids and have um cosmetics parties and everything and you can have a good christian business and the thing about amway obviously was the same with all these mlms was like they were mm. huge scams and yeah. they were systems that just didn't work same with like things like acn yeah. uh, which was targeted towards like young christian men in america and also ironically like young pakistani men in the uk mm -hmm. um who were then being told go to the mosque and like recruit people to come join like acn and everything and don't worry about what we do or what we sell uh donald trump is you know mm. one of our patrons etc yeah. um it sort of feels like this is the same thing except what they're kind of doing is like they they you know the way that they're advertising it is almost look at like what's happening in California. There's like loads of kind of like success stories that have started, but the problem is like the secular approach of which mm. startup culture is there and it creates this kind of loneliness and it creates, you know, so what, what if we did that, but what if we kind of implanted Christian communal um, culture and that way we can kind of create a better and more ethical and mm. certainly more Christian Silicon what Valley. What you need is success church, basically. Right. Yeah. And I mean, mm. you know, listen, more and more women want to start a business, but also believe that a woman's place is in the home. And that's why we've created Live Jasmine. I think I slightly misspoke and I said Falwells are a yesterday organization. I think they are very much that a today organization for what they do. Mm. But in terms of the next American religious group that is going to be pulling on the levers of where power is going mm. to be, mm -hmm. I put my money on Crossroads. Sounds like religion. something I want to point out too. I mean, I think I texted this to you guys when I was back seeing my parents back in October. Remember when I went to the gym and I sent you guys the photo? I sent you guys the photo? Yeah, photo. I mean, it, it, you you were looking jacked. I'll admit that. No, yeah, it was, I was, it was, I was it, too. It was in awe it, it, of your pets. It, it wasn't me being ripped. I went to the gym, <laughs> and, and the front desk of the gym, and my my parent, the town my parents live in, um, was what I would describe as a motivational poster to like. It's basically said something to the effect of like Ben Garrison Christ. How you know how 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 sad would it be to be strong for the world but not strong for him? And it basically was strong for him as in strong for Jesus. It was like get jacked for Jesus. Yeah, because the people who own the gym are evangelicals, and that. If you have grown up around that stuff, even if you weren't part of that community, it, it so it escapes notice because it's everywhere you go. Yeah. I, I, mm. I grew up around that so much that, I mean, I remember just thinking about this the other day, driving to and from the town I went to college in, there were a bunch of like ads for like handyman services and they, all their names were like Christian themed, like one was called Painting for the Master and it had like a Christian fish sign on it because that <laughs> yes. that's everywhere there. Like that's... So know, in a way, strong this, for a dude. In a way, this is, kind of, this is kind of genius because basically, once again, it's like what if, what if, what if, what if apps were for Christ? Mm. Mm. Well, and we'll see with we'll see how this how this plays out. Back to the main article. Uh, the story of Crossroads Rise runs pretty neatly in tandem with that of Cincinnati, which twenty years ago was considered an urban cautionary tale. So, so you know, like, and again, Nate, I'm sure you know this as well. Cincinnati is like a bunch of Fortune 500 companies like headquartered there. P and G, Macy's, Kroger, a bunch. It was also after the signing of NAFTA, basically drained all the blue collar jobs out away from the state. Um, now, again, JD Vance says this caused a great moral decline, and that's the problem. But mm. I, I, I digress. One of the key neighborhoods talked about in this article is called Over the Rhine. Largely named fucking for the, Germans. Largely named for the Germans who lived there ages ago. Anti-German mm. podcast. Which was <laughs> largely, and again, these are the people who the writing of JD Vance and the JD Vance types tend to ignore, a largely black working poor area. 
Yeah. Oh, so, but that's because when you talk about the working class, you mean the white working class, the bros. And this yeah, is course. going. This is it's going. Labor. This is going to come up again. This is also going to. And this neighborhood is going to come up again because it is a sort of focal point in the church's development. Um, so. Crossroads was founded in the 90s by these Cincinnati executives, including these from Procter & Gamble people. They did so by conducting a bunch of surveys and market research and decided to build a church that would appeal to non-churchgoers, young business professionals, and specifically men who would bring families with them. They, they did have market research to open their church? Yeah, they did, uh, you know, they, they, because, like, like Nate said, it's, it is a purely a product. It is purely mm. a, it's a thing to go on on, on Sundays. Uh, like we need to appeal, we need to get more men into the church. We need to get away from this toxic perception that going to church is gay. We need to... The epic bacon church. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. I have their manifesto, and Alice, I'm afraid you're right. <laughs> could, could God create a bacon sandwich so huge that he himself could not eat it? <laughs> I mean, the epic, the the epic bacon, bacon, bacon motorcycle, the, Budweiser church. The epic bacon church is the Kanye West church, right? Hmm. Wait, there's a Kanye well, West. I, mean, I, yeah, I was thinking about your book, Hussein, like thinking about people trying like very desperately grasp at straws to make yeah. Islam relevant to people who spend all their lives mm. on YouTube. Yeah. Like it's basically the same thing. It's just right. but what if those guys like they own one plaid what one one button up shirt, five polos, and ten different Indianapolis Colts jerseys? How do you get them <laughs> interested in church? So they hired Tome, a tan boisterous minister who rides motorcycles and would go and would go on to tape a regular video message uh, to the congregation called Brian Bing's God damn it. Big Ben bongs for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> He's just using the search engine Bing. <laughs> Brian, Brian brings a beer as the lead pastor. Mm. The church hosted adventures like Man Camp and an ad annual. It's so low hanging, all of this. Yeah. And an annual Super Bowl of preaching. A tenet from the church's manifesto holds that beer equals authenticity and that they would do anything mm. short of sin to bring people to God. Now, you, you did say that they had a manifesto. I what have is the, the manifesto in front of me. Why I, do they have a manifesto? Shouldn't there just be like a, a Nicene Creed this, or something? This is also giving me Jacob Rees-Mogg book flashbacks, just like in the game of religion, there's one quarterback <laughs> and that is Jesus Christ. <laughs> So, I have their manifesto in front of me with their tenets. Here are their main main ones. The first one, death to religion. Uh, uh, religion um, meaning... The Ayatollah. Religion meaning any man-made <laughs> no, system... No, that was kind of the opposite of yeah. the Ayatollah's mm. five, wasn't so, it? Religion meaning any man-made system of rules and regulations that promises to get you to God. Religion says, follow the rules, be ashamed of your failures, and keep secrets. Religion is a liar that traps you in your own fear. We step out into the open, look fear in the face, and say, you can't shame me anymore. Damn. Epically Damn. red-pilled. Church yeah. This is very, well, this no, is very Andrew Tate. What it is, is it, it's, um, it, it, is, it is that first bit of the prosperity gospel. Jesus as w sort of vision board for whatever you feel like. These are the types of guys who like openly say, oh yeah, well, Christianity was a startup anyway. Mm. Yes. Mm. And they like, and they say that like completely yeah. seriously. Well, I mean, yeah, you got you've got early adopters, right? right? You've got your apostles, and then yeah. it's it was about making an investment in the expectation of a return of eternal life and salvation. So you know? the second is uh, bring your vices. So again, uh, all your is, old issues mm. of Vice magazine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's very much the. Um, it's very much again the. All, uh, all of this just seems to be Gavin McInnes talking about <laughs> Jews for some reason. <laughs> so um, we uh. We we get then the next one is uh, beer matters. First, it's tasty. Second, it's a good, good way. Okay. To are we, know are we if we're sure that this weird. isn't like some kind of a long con by a like long underground Dionysian cult? 
Or it's, yeah. or it's like a, a it's, commercial. It's, it's one of those bizarre ad strategies by like Brewdog. What they just got way out of hand and now <laughs> is a mega church. Church for punks. Yes. Yes. Punk yes. This is this is what this is if Brewdog just decided to pivot to like religion. So uh mm. what we don't have give them is, ideas. Second, it's a good way to know if we're being weird and churchy. We call it the beer test. Listen to whoever's on stage and ask yeah, we have a beer with to them. be churchy. Well, Brew it's Dog's the, new knowledge IPA. We, we need it's the, the it's it is that same strange Protestantism of religion exists to confirm whatever you feel. Yeah, like. and and we're all just folks, right? It's a vibe. The third one is that is uh, that I'm going to read is what really brings it home for me though, which is we create culture. Once upon a time, they say the church was the epicenter of creativity and innovation. If you wanted cutting edge, you went to the church. Let's yeah, bring the that church back. with a capital T and a capital C. The mm. Catholic Church. I'm pretty sure if you wanted cutting edge, you went to the synagogue. Well, uh, yeah. let's bring that back. We follow a God who invented and crafted the entire universe. Creativity is in our DNA. And what I what I'm getting from this, right, is the is as you said, Alice. They're so they're they are a form of mission-driven Protestantism that has accidentally become Catholicism. It's just the problem is, like, these they all want to do good works and dedicate beautiful creations to the church, but when you're some Patagonia-wearing evangelical from Illinois and you try to make a Bernini sculpture, of course what you're going to end up doing is writing a program that allows like, people to rent a mattress. Of course. I was just thinking about... Not super related, but um, having to go to an event at my swim coach's house, which was like this like tract housing, not McMansion, but you know, you can you get the idea of former just going farm through all of your like traumatic Christian memories, mid Midwest here. Midwestern memories here. Something and about a, a swimming coach living in a McMansion <laughs> has a deeply like pedophile alarm bell so, ring. No, it has a pre financial crisis alarm. Uh, yeah, but, but, yeah. you know, like old former farmland, now tract housing house. That walls were completely bare except for a few Bible quotes on like pewter plates on the wall. Mm. Uh, he was he was a huge bully, huge piece of shit, and a couple of years before I got out of the army i remember seeing a news story that he apparently was on the run in mexico because he had been defrauding <laughs> churches and swim clubs had a domestic violence charge and apparently was using this money he was literally stealing money out of people's out of donations out of mailboxes uh to fund his <laughs> cocaine habit and when he finally got arrested in mexico and i'm, I'm gonna put this up on the screen for you guys uh he was arrested this was his mugshot this was his haircut yeah he looks fucking cool i don't know what you're talking oh, about yeah. for, the, for the record alice i'll show it to you later he's wearing a, he's, like he's wearing David a teal G. polo with a white a white t-shirt underneath and he has a center part butt cut like he's a fucking 90s teen I, pop star i, I yeah. was gonna say that this has a slightly different vibe just from the numbers when you say like metal plates with bible verses and going on the run for embezzlement in mexico i that's mormon to me that's a different kind of guy <laughs> uh, yeah. that's a utah guy that's that's a mormon guy or that's like a fallwell guy i think if he'd embezzled all of that money and then, like, I think if he'd done a pyramid scheme that somehow was going to do something, Bro, I think that would I'm be I'm looking guys. at the comments on this news story from somebody's blog, and it's all full of people, swim parents, being like, he put the swimmers first. He was just doing the best he could to fucking make money to take care of swimmers. <laughs> like, believe me, this these people are deeply insane. Wild. And they will find a way to rationalize this it through maybe. Jesus one so way or the other. I put the swimmers first. So, let's go back to Cincinnati. <laughs> Uh, in, the we mid have to? in the mid 2000s, I just, I just want to do like Protestantism hour with mates. Yes, <laughs> Pro Protestant, growing up Protestant in 1990s Indiana. 
I so, wasn't Protestant. I just right. grew up around grew up this shit. Growing up around Protestants in 1990s That's what made Indiana. it so fucking foreign to me was because these people are so... It, yeah, it's a whole different world. So anyway, yeah. let's hear so, about how they're going to make it make it biblical to fire people. So uh, that takes us back to Cincinnati. Uh, then in, in the mid-2000s, nonprofit development corporations created by the, some of the city's businesses, including Procter & Gamble, invested more than half a billion dollars in Over the Rhine and the tech sector followed. The oh, so they did the JD Vance thing. They yeah, just exactly. funneled high tech funding into this like deprived neighborhood. And they did it before JD Vance wrote Hillbilly Elegy, and they didn't even do it to solve political Damn. polarization. Uh, and actually, before, before he invented thinking. If you think about it, there's never been political polarization in Cincinnati or the surrounding area ever since. No, uh, and and this yeah. neighborhood over the Rhine, right? That didn't have like any it, riots in no. the sixties. No, did it, no, did it have any police, any police shootings or anything? Uh, no, no, definitely not a police shooting in in the, not a police hmm. shooting in in two thousand that caused again, and, and, and then we riot. had like a, a tech sector involved redevelopment, I guess. <laughs> My God, I'm sorry, guys, to bring it back, but I happened to look up his name, and now this is a story from 2018. Former swim coach Ken Stopkati was sentenced Excuse in U.S. <laughs> in, in, exactly in U.S. District Court to 21 months in prison for, for on Friday for using counterfeit money at a minor league baseball game in April. Stopkati admitted to bringing <laughs> over 200 counterfeit $20 bills with him to a Dayton Dragons game on uh, April 18th. 18, making numerous purchases with the fake bills, including his ticket, food, beverage, and other concessions. He ended up using 41 of the bills, receiving genuine currency back on his purchases. When approached by investigators, he tried to hide an initial 54 bills under a stadium refrigerator. Officials also found 166 worth of genuine currency in the sole of his shoe. Yeah, he should have invested a three dollar bill with Master Chief on it. Like yeah. he just—he's just, just, just addicted to Cracker Jack. It's he just a sad tale. Treats. He wanted yeah. to be a big treat. So boy. that's why I'm saying exactly. you got to understand this world. This is the, the this is the the ocean you're swimming in. These are mm. these are the fish that you're trying to save with Jesus on an app. <laughs> so, I, got, I got carried away in the quest to find a gulp that was big enough. So <laughs> the nonprofit development corporation invested a half a bill in Over the Rhine, ending political polarization uh, forever, mm. never and any making more tension. it this kind of like corporate like uh wholly owned subsidiary like so, every so other one of these redevelopments investing schemes. over the Rhine like it's 1939 so what baby happened is uh 65% of the neighborhood's black population uh was forced out and 73% mm. of the uh, affordable housing was I think you mean were gone. involved in a landlord related uh mm. they went on a, a pilgrimage yeah, uh, and, yeah. So, and it's led to now having some of the highest income inequality in the nation neighborhood advocates spoke about the development corporation as if it were an occupying colonial force but to the outside world, it became a shining example of a general Midwest flourishing of the tech and startup industry. But the thing is also, you cannot separate the role of Crossroads specifically from the way that this is happening. For example, Crossroads runs a job skills training center called CityLink, and CityLink owns a number of restaurants in Over the Rhine that serve as training centers for chefs to fill a shortage of chefs in Cincinnati required to work all of the chic new restaurants demanded by all the tech people who've moved there. The totalizing ideology of this church has in fact infected every corner of, of, of this neighborhood of Cincinnati, turning it not into a company town, but in, in every corner, fueling a Jesus-inflected bout of mega-gentrification. And also, uh, as we remember, there's the lots of these prison ministries. Yeah, gentrification equals cops equals more non-white people in jail equals prison ministries equals people getting sent to do their job training to then serve the needs of the white tech saviors that are coming into this city. Oh, I'd love to do the fucking second wave of Victorian colonization where we just do like the civilizing mission, but we do it in like a small corner of Cincinnati. Yeah, it's manifest. Well, it's the thing. Manifest destiny has flipped around 
around and it's going mm. into the country again. And it's all on the blockchain. So that's the other thing, though. Do you think that the prisoners and the Crossroads pri- uh, f- prison flock get the same encouragement with the apple seeds that the white entrepreneurs get? Mm. Are they being encouraged to build their businesses? Are they being encouraged to be on the tops of these hierarchies to help others? I somehow doubt it. Sighing yeah. and fashioning a shiv out of apple seeds. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the kingdom of heaven is here and it has exposed brick walls, four-dollar coffees, and no black people. Uh, sir, we've mm. ascertained the prisoners had uh, inspirational contraband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you, he was found with uh, four, you, 14 pounds of self-belief hidden under his foreskin. <laughs> so, um, fast forward to 2013, and the atrium of Tome's industrial chic church has been used as an informal workspace. It's and this is all like in this same industrial area, chic. Right? It's all yeah. in this same area. This half a billion over mm. the Rhine. We're also we're get this is the kind of thing we're getting. Um, and all these young congregants, including Reynolds, Brunk, and Metzner, were hanging out there uh, working. <laughs> At the think time, I did my pupillage with Reynolds, Brunk, and Metzner. Yeah. At the time, recalls Brunk, there was little in the way of a support system for the young tech entrepreneurs that were starting mm. to proliferate in Cincinnati. So Tome encouraged the folks at the breakfast gathering to continue meeting on a weekly basis and become one of Crossroads' numerous interest-oriented small groups. Mm. Yeah, to do an agile sprint. Yeah, they, mm. ma- they made a Microsoft Teams. <laughs> Let's be clear, at this meeting, we're not just having breakfast, we're having Brunk. <laughs> right away Working brunk Working brunk The meetings took on an intimate tone All of um, us were, were a few years into our ventures they, Brunk Because they didn't have more than five guys It's the problem Yeah mm. So lo- long enough to have seen the vision and optimism turn to disappointment and betrayal, Brunk himself said he was haunted by the fictional depiction of Zuckerberg at the end of The Social Network, a lonely tycoon <laughs> who ruthlessly alienated everyone. Just Imagine being emotionally there. affected by, this, by, by a movie that shitty yeah. yeah. Emotional. Did, also, did you know both those twins were played uh, by the same guy? Emotionally, <laughs> emotionally <laughs> affected by someone who got everything he wanted. You, but, yeah. you know, Brunk says, you ask yourself, why I keep doing this? And what's a satisfying life? Uh, so, damn, okay. you just really zucked everyone, huh? <laughs> um, what, what, what is a satisfying life? What is his answer to what a satisfying life is? Does it involve giving up all of his wealth? Uh, no. No, of course. Yeah. Not. D- no, that's ridiculous. It, hmm. Well, you know of what course. they say: satisfying wife, satisfying life. Uh, <laughs> the things people shared in those early meetings were quote very vulnerable stories of failure, struggling to find funding or scaling their company or breaking up with their co-founders, anxieties about making payroll and taking out family loans. Uh, f- sad nerd club yeah. breaking oh. up, breaking up with my co-founders. Yeah, I'm so- sorry. I just don't think we can keep fucking if we're going to run a successful church startup. <laughs> but, 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 no, um, bro. I, I I think it actually works pretty well if you just run around the VC headquarters seven times and then blow a horn. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, also, like it's one for the real heads there. Yes. Mm. So, uh, they- I love the idea of like doing interfaith dialogue by doing tawaf around the Crossroads Church too. <laughs> mm. Um. Oh yeah. Anxieties about making payroll or taking out family loans again. You you can though. You can mm. do all this. Yeah, but it's, sometimes it makes you feel sad, and yeah. if you're sad, you have to have a bunch of like-minded people to talk about but that. Crucially, with. crucially, you have to do it in a place where there aren't any black people for a mile around. Dealing with all these problems is obviously very popular. They launched a public story sharing event called Unpolished, and over 400 people showed up to the first one by 2014. <laughs> I know, just an open mic to be a uh-huh. sad nerd. 
unpolished as one Dutch guy going, sure, does that mean we can wear the blackface or we can't wear the blackface? <laughs> so, in 2014, Brunk, Reynolds, and Metzner decided to transform the community into something more formal, a non-profit business accelerator. This is Ocean. Mm. Officially, the organization's goal was to cement Cincinnati's status as a startup-friendly city and to, quote, increase God's presence in the marketplace by cultivating <laughs> They're founders. They're Christians. The, God's last presence in the marketplace was hitting a bunch of guys with a whip. Yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> like, evict the marketplace. Uh, well, you know, we evicted it, but now we're finding a synergy. Uh, by uh, cultivating founders who will be good stewards of their success. Uh, parable of the talent shit, of course. Yes. Um, parable of the talents being a story in, in the Bible about how yes. um, a, 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 a rich leave, man... You leave your servant, the master leaves his servant with some silver, and the, and the servant wisely invests it and comes back with gold, and the master is very happy. This is in tension with, for instance, uh, literally any of the rest of the New Testament, but, you know, whatever. So, uh, Ocean is housed in a... For this, the parable of the talents comes up Dozens of times in this article, of course, by the way. Of course, we, we we cut a lot of them just because it was so repetitive. It was like, <laughs> if you had another Bible verse you could reference other than, I think it's Matthew 25, yes. uh, they, they would have, but they didn't, so... Um, so they don't. It's I've realized, I've realized who these guys are. They're Mike the Salvation Sorrentino. <laughs> so, <laughs> housed in a former car dealership building owned by Crossroads, Ocean received its why first operations a, budget. Why does it own a car dealership building? Because it's a mega church and they just own everything. Come on, okay. it's normal exactly. for a mega church. Yeah. Again, why mm. do the Catholic? Why does the Catholic Church own all of that beautiful artwork from the Renaissance? To, to, why does a mega church own a used car dealership? Fund, in order to fund NATO's stay behind guerrillas to uh, exacerbate the strategy of tension in Italy, so the Communist Party wouldn't become elected. So uh, how th the righteous man rides the jet ski of Christ. <laughs> uh, so Osha <laughs> received. But, but, but pause for one second. There's yeah. a point. Like when the Catholic Church does it, we're like, oh well, this is. Just the storied history of the Catholic Church, because, like you said, they own church land and church artwork and all these fucking palatial things they've had for centuries. But when you, a, a, a Midwestern church buys a fucking car dealership, that's no different. It just, but to us, it rings this like crassness bell, if you want to call it that. Mm, like, sure. just because, yeah. well, well, how, how, how many Beninis do they have in that car dealership? <laughs> well, you know? the thing, I think one of the differences, one of the differences is right. You can you can see it not just as a crassness oh, bell. Dude, it's got co it's covered fucking floor to ceiling with Thomas Kincaid paintings. All right, I know the guy. <laughs> Midwest. So I think one of one of the things, right? Yes, you do point this out. We think it's normal for the Catholic Church to own a bunch of. I don't shit. think it's normal. I just well, compared them to a bunch of. No, like, no, no, just... no, no. But I, I think that, that that's taken as a given. Like, yeah, it's it would taken be... as a given that that happens. Whereas it, it's like extremely, extremely first year university student atheists and be like, oh, the Catholic Church, they're like a businessman. Mm. Wait, so, but, hang on. But... Flash forward a thousand years and someone's displaying to some tourists the Sistine PT Cruiser. <laughs> 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 so, but I think the difference here is that. Um, is is that with 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 Protestantism and American Protestantism, it has transformed from it has transformed into something that has become so much like all of these all of these elements of the Catholic Church. It's sort of worst worldly excesses. It has become that so quickly that. It's, it has just glommed onto it whatever's around. And that means in the Midwest, old malls and abandoned car dealerships. Um, 
So, it received its first operations budget through a sizable grant from the church. The Bounty of Crossroads' annual Beans and Rice Week. Milo, you made a prediction around this earlier. Where members <laughs> this motherfucker eat fr- eating beans. <laughs> where members <laughs> well, you eat, just fought for a week. <laughs> where members eat frugally and pool their savings into several major church donations. Mm. I mean, this is from another article. Mm. Traditionally, the money goes mainly to fighting the city's homelessness and heroin epidemics. But this time, they put all $120,000 toward the accelerator. Cool. Off the PT cruiser. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I was going to say was that I, like, I, Nate is right again that, like, uh, the the introductory like sociology thing is 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 right because the Catholic Church did do all of this shit. There's a bunch of very fancy now churches in Rome that were just built on top of Roman temples just because that was what was there, and they would have been car dealerships. Um, so yeah, m- maybe maybe like in 500 years time, if Ocean is still going. We'll just be like, oh, well, the Thomas Kincaid paintings are very nice. So we, we, the, I, I'm just picturing in in like 2520 the like trad ocean guy who like thinks we need to rediscover this yeah, and go back to the old ways. Well, they have they have they have fucking synergy brain Twitter 500 years from now, and there's yeah, like yeah, yeah. the statue Twitter equivalents are guys with Thomas Kincaid avatars. Yeah. All the monks yeah. are wearing polo shirts. Yeah, Thomas Kincaid <laughs> avatars just posting a PT cruiser and being like uh, and, and being like we used to build things. Yeah, we have to stop. This now in order to save our descendants from the press esque to go backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pi- it's a picture of a bunch of furries on the street in Cincinnati, and it's a picture of a pristine PT cruiser in Poland somewhere. <laughs> they like, damn, how far we have fallen. It used to be like this everywhere. So under the Ocean Accelerator program, which is open to entrepreneurs of any or no faith, because this is ridiculously secularized. It's Christianity themed organization, which again, hmm. fine, I don't give a shit. Uh, the founders are given seed investments of $50,000 each, along with per- business, personal, and spiritual mentoring. The curriculum builds up to a public demo day where participants then present their, their product, their Tinder for whatever, in front of an mm. audience of potential investors from the, the stages of one of the churches. The, the mentoring is important, too, in the kind of theology here of uh, this being a, a, an ideology, a faith of self-reliance, where your mm. own grit, your own personal like uh, outlook and well-being is what makes a difference. Well, it isn't just like a, a glorified fruit machine well, here's uh, the thing, that Alice, occasionally dispenses money. Alice, I can actually say I w- listened to a podcast of Brian Tome, and hmm. not Brian Tome, rather, uh, Chad Reynolds, talking about this. And he said that he believes that his spiritual mentoring is all about the five sources of capital that God endows every human ah, with. Um, you call them Shahada, five Salat, yeah. Salm, and Hush. <laughs> so you have your physical capital, your emotional capital, your family capital, things like this. And then the last one is, and of course, oh, so the, the your him, financial him capital. And, him and WeWork are both measuring vibes. Okay, yes. Emotional capital by as, small as, as, as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, Give a man a jewel pod, he'll blow clouds for a day. Teach a man to open a vape shop, he'll blow clouds for a lifetime. Uh, it, is, it is ludicrously, it is ludicrously self-reliant because at the, it is the, it is essentially the religious version of uh, the dominant Cummings. We have to get the people with high IQs at the top to rule over the people with low IQs at the bottom. It's just this is translated as spiritual worth, of which financialized capital is some of it. Well, I would also say too that I mean, like, it, it, it doesn't purport itself as elite or elitist and it purports itself as community reliance and taking care of your neighbors the thing about it is is it's really crucial here what you define neighbors as how they define neighbors mm. how they define, define i think i think whiteness has whiteness, a lot to do yeah, with it. it really does and i and i think i think one of the weird things that you'll encounter with some of these things some of these environments is that um it it 
kind of furthers a sort of soft white separatism in a way mm. that mm. erases class boundaries, at least in the context of church, not like explicitly like we're all the same, but rather like the idea that we, we take care of one another within a church. Um, but that's only among the people who are, you know, welcomed within that, that place. And invariably they're white and invariably mm. they, they have zero they're tolerance. Not, they're, they're not they're going white. through the prison ministries to make the coffees. Yeah. And, 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 and mm. if they, for example, openly love their gay children then they're no longer welcome mm. i mean i think that's an example now, i suspect that i i know i i i don't know about this church i suspect that they may i i think that because they are so secularized that they're so open to oh we're open to anyone of any faith etc i suspect they might take a little bit of a different but no less pernicious approach and mm -hmm. we'll see this come on come on well, like um, they, they talk about like uh uh uh, stewardship and stuff mm. in a way that is, I think, more elitist, and I think that is the break with a lot of these other mega churches. Yeah, that is the 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 way in which this particular empty vessel differs is that they do have this idea of, uh, like this ideal of leadership and entrepreneurship. And indeed, it is when we shall see. So, and this is this comes out in how they try to instill what they call Christ leadership in their participants. Oh, I knew they would call it something awful. Uh, Scott Weiss, Ocean's founding CEO, is eager to ward off the impression that Ocean's counseling is just for believers or that it preaches an old-fashioned prosperity gospel. He says, We in no way teach that because you came here, God ordains your business. He says, What's more important is that we don't want you to be one of those high-tech founders who have gotten a divorce, suffered depression, or tried to commit suicide. So it's wellness stuff. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's wellness, wellness stuff for people who prefer a slightly more conservative set of cultural uh like but, empty signifiers so like but, you you can have like wellness stuff on in the bay area you can drink your kombucha you can like fucking go on a meditation retreat but you like i don't know people look at you slightly weirdly if you say church right but the, one of the big one of the big things and they, this sort of takes off what you were saying earlier which is that i think this is a church that's less likely to exclude you if you say openly love your gay child i think i suspect based on what i get from this article I could be wrong. However, what they're ver much more concerned with is giving you the image of yourself as someone who has to control your employees. That's the message we come to again and again. Before we get to that, here are some of the startups that have been backed by Ocean recently. Vert makes real estate investing accessible and affordable for individuals and families. Our real estate investment platform enables you to invest as little as $15 in attractive rental properties using a crowdfunding model. So, aside, aside from it being called Vert, um, th this is this is just like, you see the gentrification link here, right? Yeah, like, of course. You, you and all of your white friends can go in on an attractive rental property that someone who is not white has been evicted from. Mm -hmm. uh, not, I mean, not that this is exclusive also, to white people. Like, something I point out too is that some of these areas are some of the worst hit in America from the foreclosure or subprime mm -hmm. crisis in the mm -hmm. last decade. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, lots of people I know from the, the, the region have their families have lost their homes. And so one of the big kind of pernicious things that has happened in American capitalism is that funds like these and larger funds, you know, they might share the investment capital for, uh, have been buying up foreclosed homes and now rent yeah. them. And so like, it's, yeah, it's terrenalius. It's this, uh, shi this shift towards renting. Mm. And so in a way here, you have an aspect of that being rebranded as empowering for people, you know, even if they can only 
I almost said bung fifteen dollars a month. If they bung uh, Bob, bung, if, bung if, they, Bob. if, if they, they bung, bung enough Bob, Bob yeah. 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 I mean, and and this is like not a new thing, even for gentrification, even in black areas. Like uh, talking about like Korean American groups, they have uh, like sometimes K's, which are like friendly societies where you do exactly this: you you bung Bob, and then once like mm. each month, somebody gets the total collection of Bob, and you can use that to maybe yeah. buy a store or whatever. So like it, it, yeah. the the mechanism here is very very well established I it thought, just has a dumber name now. i thought i'd never own property but i actually bunged enough bob to own a share in a clock tower and now my tenant is a hunchback <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also they have a the, with the way that they're a technology company of course is that they have a proprietary neighborhood rating algorithm yeah cool. it, 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 it is it is a korean american k society with an attached message board for where you can be racist and also, you can do next door stuff and be like mm, i saw some teens oh if you think that's bad check this out spatial AI is the world's first human-driven location data set built by categorizing billions of conversations from social networks into actionable consumer did segments. Just, did they just back every single startup that was like, we invented a way of like locking your car doors really quickly? <laughs> Read the mind of any community on a map. So I actually uh, and it just shuts the car door lock for you. So mm. I actually read more about this, and the founder, whose name is Faust, worked very, very, very <laughs> yeah, very funny, right? <laughs> He worked yeah. very, very hard to make it something that didn't just tell people to not go into black neighborhoods. And it was oh, really good. hard mm. to make the app not that. And mm. now producing I'm trying to, to make worked, a deal with the devil. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've worked really hard to make these calipers not do phrenology. Yeah. And now it just produces that was just a map that like shows like shows you a yellow cloud where there are good restaurants or whatever. But yeah, these people <laughs> just they can't stop making a racialized underclass. Mm. Yeah. Using using my using my calipers to like steadily plot the course of a ship across the map, but just like <laughs> sweating as I look at the heads of all the other people in the room. No, not down that road. That, again, is, what, that is what it is though, right? Like it's it's completely incidental whether or not any of these people are on a personal level racist, right? They're still in over the Rhine. They're still buying these properties to rent. And even if they're being like perfectly nice and oblivious about it, and even if they think that Black Lives Matter and they wear shirts and they go to marches and things of that nature, they will still be engaging in racial violence without even knowing. So here's the th we'll get to we'll get to that in a moment, but here's the third app that I found, which is called Fletch. Which uh, it's about us just has a three-step process. Stop Pro trying to make Fletch happen. Step one: mm. students download the Fletch app. Step two: the Fletch eye beacon takes attendance by detecting the presence of students' phones with the Fletch app on them. Step three: cha cha now, y'all. Attendance records are available in real time at admin.fletch.com. <laughs> Password admin. Yeah. So then it made. What a if thing. your phone was the cops? Yes. What if yeah. your phone okay, was the I, campus security? I take security? back everything I just said. This one knows it's doing racial violence and just thinks it's good. Well, my th yeah. my my thinking when I hear this is that like this is like the very kind of first phase of building a kind of pseudo Silicon Valley, right? Which is that all the investment is going into these kind we're in these apps, which are taking over property, taking over mm -hmm. land. Um, taking over yeah. surveillance. Re remember the uh, the neighborhood activists who said that they were like a colonial force. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> and the uh, and this is this is now what we've sort of been building to for a bit, which is the is Weiss's description of the potential impact of Ocean's work carries a certain missionary edge. A new business, on average, will hire thirteen people by the end of year two. That's thirteen souls that a business owner can influence for good.
unlucky for some. So mm. uh, according to according to Brunk, the accelerator's idea of stewardship, which is an evangelical watchword for responsible management, mm. is not yeah. really about Christianity, which is interesting because it's an evangelical concept. It's not really no, about that, Christianity. That's true, that's it's about true. whatever it, you it want isn't. it to be. Yeah, and it's, uh, as I said with the parable of the talents thing, it is not scripturally very well supported at all. Mm. That's the incoherence at the heart of the prosperity gospel, and one way around it is just to strip the Christianity out of it and do this secular, like, vibes church. Yeah, this is Um, Pope Francis putting his lips fully over the mic on the Vatican pulpit and going, I've told you people a thousand times, it's more of a vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is not, like... So long as you don't, so long as it's not about Christianity, so long as it is about good stewardship, you never have to confront the question, what profit is a man if he gain the world and lose his soul by it, right? It just, it becomes this quite anodyne sort of corporate thing, and uh, you still have all of these nice signifiers like church with a capital C. And it's just, it's so cynical and so evil, and I hate the idea that my immortal soul, like, Bad enough that I have to suffer Tim Brunk in this life without him pursuing me into the next one. <laughs> so, yeah. their idea of stewardship is uh, about being a good boss, giving employees decent benefits, and reinvesting profits locally, like from the commandments, you know. Mm. Yeah, um, of course. But if we want to talk about stewardship and local reinvestment, this is from another article about Over the Rhine that I hope should engender a feeling of smoldering rage in everyone hearing oh, this. Oh, I'm, I'm ahead of you. I'm... Mm. Over, the, over four years, Rachel Thompson, a long-time uh, black resident of, of Over the Rhine... Long-time so, black resident, first-time caller. Over four years, Rachel Thompson, a long-time black resident of Over the Rhine, saw her rent creep up with promises of ceiling fans, hardwood floors, and a new bike ramp that she never saw. Thompson is now working 100 hours a pay period to make her ends meet and pay her rent. I'm working, she says. I mean, I'm working a lot, and it just seems like I can't get my head above water. It almost feels like you're drowning. Her work huh. schedule, she says, has prohibited her from learning the ins and outs of the new community as it has been redeveloped. Well, of course, you're not supposed to enjoy it. You're not supposed to be able to go to the coffee shops with the nice blonde no. wood. You're supposed to go to one job, come home, go to your second job, go to your third job, come home exhausted, and then go to your first job again. Until, at some point, you're forced out. And, and what's up, fucking ocean boy Chad Reynolds? How is your metaphorical drowning in distress of, oh, no, I can't self-actualize properly feeling? Fuck hmm. you. Yeah. Fuck it's, you. I, I feel like I'm drowning, and so I have created an ocean with which I will try to, like, drown other people. I, I think in a way I would prefer the sort of, like, Eric Trump piece of shit, like, fuck you, you deserve to be yeah. poor. Like, here's an idea, don't be poor, level of, of just full-on mask offness versus this very this kind of this cuddly idea of we're saving souls and saving saving you know business plans i prefer the spite too Mm. because Uh, at least the spite's funny well the spite the spite also lets you know who you're dealing with as opposed to people who i mean i i it's it, once again Alice making reference to like entry level sociology stuff. The the whole the idea of like well, Christians being hypocritical. Like I realize mm. that it, it, this is really like par for the course. But in this case, just taking a very cursory glance at who's included in this idea of stewardship and community support versus who's excluded tells you a lot about what this community's idea of redevelopment and what this city state idea of redevelopment means and what it really means is a certain people need to feel good about themselves Mm. also poor people should disappear 
I mean, yes. to quote friend of the show out here, Shah, Christianity, the left-wing religion that right-wing people inexplicably love. <laughs> so, <laughs> one, one month, uh, Thompson was a couple days late on her rent and was forced to choose between moving out or waiting for the eviction process. It feels like we'll always be 500 feet behind, she said, no matter if we follow all the rules or try to show that we are good people. So, also, you know, who's asking about her burnout? Mm. Um, interesting. Mm. It's... uh. It's, it's who's asking if she is pushing herself too hard at work or if she going to have some of that time to spend with her family. Yeah, she, she should take a few months to like sit still. Wasn't that what the guy said? Yeah, to sit still for a while and reconsider mm. what it is that he... And it was mm. good that the church used all of that money to invest in a bunch of... St- I, I, I really am sticking to this point, Nate, that you said, which is... I'd rather they were just the Falwells or Donald Trump Jr. or whatever, because like I, I don't care that it's a church stealing money. What no, I care that, about that, that's is the like, fucking yeah. smarm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I think too that the idea that these people go to, to you know special breakfasts to think about how do you how do you fire people in a Christian way, how do you evict people in mm. a Christian way, and it's like, uh, well, you're still basically doing economic violence. Like, yeah. whether mm-hmm. you make yourself feel better about it because you fucking you know somebody has given you like a motivation poster to put on your wall, like it doesn't mean that it's not harming the people who are the targets. And I think, um. It, yeah, it's it's all wrapped up in an idea of how do I make myself feel better about participating in a system that you'll never truly be ahead unless you're Mike fucking Bloomberg. Mm. And along the or way, Tim you're going to have to make yourself an accessory to yeah the and, and, the, the acts like, of cruelty that, yeah. that the system requires you to perpetuate and, and and libs do this too right like we we are well familiar i think with the epic foreclosure lawyer clapping back because she's still with her right like oh yeah uh it's th- this kind of smarm it is bipartisan it is uh, a parasite on our society um and it will like slowly crush people who work you know three jobs or whatever uh, and drive them from their homes and like exploit their labor and it has to be stopped and and, and so carrying on uh brunk says that this notion of christian management is just holding up midwestern norms of community mindedness against the perceived ruthlessness of tech's origins while silicon valley's <sighs> leaders have sometimes reinforced a culture of fear and greed brunk says there is more consideration for things other than power and success the here fucking clapping themselves on the back it's just, for it's just it taking the, the most authoritarian forms of like tech industry and uh coating it with uh, religious benevolence, right? And like mm-hmm. the fear that uh, the fear that kind of keeps coming up for me is like this makes it really hard to hold these like dipshits accountable because they're working within kind of a very long established religious system, um, which provides them with that kind of cover to be like you know well it's our Christian duty to improve society and we're improving society by like bringing all this industry and bringing all this job, like bringing all these jobs in and like showing a kind of quote unquote alternative version of what secular Silicon Valley mm. capitalism is like, because we're kind of doing Christian management and we're forming Christian companies. And for mm. us, prof- like profit is not the end goal. Um, salvation and kind you know, 
we're in the jails doing christian bail right be, be, being servants to god or like you know i've i've seen a lot of this language before and like seeing it in like in different contexts as well and they can often get so wrapped up in this sort of benevolent language which i guess is kind of what you're referring to as mom in fact tome what tome says specifically speaks to what you're what you're saying here which is that he came to believe that the downstream problems in the kingdom of god occurred because things happened upstream and he wanted to shift tactics to encourage people to make more money right i think Down, the, downstream being poorer yes. i think i keep going back to this point that like these are people who just refuse to acknowledge that like capitalism is the problem right of course um, well, they, well, of course they, they they don't want to because they're the beneficiaries right. of the problem being caused right yeah. so they, jesus so, loved capitalism so, so they were in california and they were like the problem is that the problem is that people don't hang out enough and mm. the problem oh, is that oh, people they hang out in the wrong way. Right, they, they do polycules. They only hang out. Stuff. They only they mm. only hang out in polycules and in tiki bars, um, which were the only two places I went to when I was in LA. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, and like P people people in the, the Bay Area only know to like eat hot shit, be bisexual, and go to the <laughs> kink.com armory. But like everything else is fine. So if we took all the like if we took all those kind of bits about LA. And ignore the fact that like they have caused like mm. massive swathes of gentrification, and they have yeah. pushed out G Google of, bus drivers sleeping in the buses. Right, they've like pushed out kind of like historical kind of um, um, minority communities, like you know, China, like Chinese people and Koreans and stuff. Um, and they've made LA like one of the most unlivable cities in the entire world mm -hmm. and we just make you know take that to Cincinnati and we build Christian LA. Um, everything, and that's what it is. Like, from every time you're reading this out, it's like they're trying to build Christian Los Angeles. Well, the trouble is, these LA people, they have their polycule, but they don't have a weird name like polycule. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in Damn, fact, I didn't realize Cincinnati was in fucking North Dakota. Oh, yeah. <laughs> here is, here is, it's a small town in North Dakota. Here is this a script from a video that uh, Unpolished made about what their mission was in Cincinnati. A long time ago, pioneers went west into the wilderness. They saw a river and imagined a great city. Somewhere along the way, people settled and dreams vanished. Things got broken. We forgot who we were. The images at this point shift um, to images with, of buildings with boarded up windows, empty malls, and barbed wire fences. Maybe God lets things break so he can make everything new. Maybe he's calling for new pioneers brave enough to start rebuilding. The promo video then resolves onto a background shot of blonde wood blonde wood superimposed with the logo for unpolished and that children is why you need to go fight for isis <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the thing i'd say is that i mean what caused this decline is uh, i the mean tim brunk yeah it, it, well i mean it, no, nothing could be more entrepreneurial than you know the management consultants and fucking capital you know v vc advisors who made the decision that you could make you know you can increase profit margins by 10 percent by relocating all relocating all of the manufacturing base from cincinnati ohio and its environs hmm. to mexico and then onward to fucking Which, to to to, yeah. to china to bangladesh like the point being here that the, these communities have been hollowed out because it was the, the, literally to save pennies mm. and mm. This is a story that's repeated, you know, across the entirety of the United States, but particularly in the Rust Belt. And so, I mean, I don't doubt that these people believe that what they're doing, you know, is somehow won't it won't matter. They, they'll do it again. Yeah, doing it, some, you know, doing it some other way that's more venal or more or more uh, materialist. But ultimately, until you can see that the the conditions that are causing spiritual decay, if you want to believe in that, 
are related to an economic system that makes one person work 100 hours per pay period, another person, you know... Take uh, a few months to sit still. Take take a few months to sit Mm. still and have those options sort of baked into their life trajectory, then all you're going to be able to do is you're just getting Christian rock vibes instead of whatever vibes you think are are fallen. Instead of Bruce Springsteen. We're using using Chris Rock's full name, I see. (laughs) But but that's that's the other thing, right? Like... uh, one thing capital needs is it needs manifest destiny. It always needs to export its contradictions somewhere. When America was, was founded, what was this twee? When America was founded, it was uh, it was manifest destiny. It was let's take over the rest of the continent. It was free real estate, allegedly free real estate. Slash roof of country. With NAFTA, with NAFTA it was uh, well we can we can do labor arbitrage. We can push all of the all the wage all the wage labor out to Mexico because this is territorially um, defined capital. It's machines, it's building things, and so on. And that continued. And now it's been hollowed out so much that the new racialized underclass that's there to be exploited, moved, dominated, etc., is back in the center of the country. It's like I said earlier, Manifest Destiny flipped around and went in reverse. And mm. now the exploitation is, it's it's back in, it's, or it's, it's the frontier of capital is in Cincinnati now. But also, another thing I point back, I point to as well, just to kind of wrap it up on my take, is that you one of the quotes you read from I think from Tim Brunk was uh, the idea that this was this is this communitarian approach is more in line with Midwestern values, and I feel like anybody who's lived in the Midwest or who's from the Midwest can tell you that there's a very sharp cleavage between who is in the community and who's out of the community, and the entire history of the Midwest is one of extreme violence. I mean violently depopulating the area of Indians and then subsequently the the labor struggles and the, the racialized labor struggles and the fact that I mean my home state was the only state that was openly run by the Klan now it's a, it's a northern state but the Klan was the dominant political uh, movement in the 20s for example um, you know these are places that are primarily mm-hmm. uh, these cent- city centers or like urban uh, you know agglomerations have been hollowed out because of white flight so I mean, the idea that all of this is just is because God willed it to be broken so He could fix it again, is once again use it's just using a different excuse to paper over mm-hmm. the you know roughshod ass fucking remnants of what was once a community, but the capital decided wasn't useful anymore. Mm. Sad to see such sharp cleavage, real Lara Croft PS1 shit. (laughs) But filtered through the church's production machine, which includes a 75-person experience team, Unpolished then became Mm. something much glossier. So it started as a trust exercise and seemed to have, again, sad nerd, don't get to self-actualize club, fuck off. Mm. And then it it morphed into a platform for glorifying entrepreneurs as the new heroes of the church. Mm. Onward Christian startups. <laughs> but equally, right? I think that if you have to have a sad group about how it's a tragedy you don't get to self-actualize, you have still glorified yourself. That is sure. still self-glorification. Yeah, um, the article makes it out that there's the, there's this difference that this like well-meaning bobbing Chad has been hijacked by this kind of like uh, colonial enterprise, and I think it's like two halves of well, the same I mean, hole. They are going to rebuild. They, they they have a vision in mind for rebuilding the Midwest economy, and it involves building enormous eyes of needles and really really tiny camels. <laughs> <laughs> so, at this point. Uh, unpolished lecture series was now a full-blown multi-day conference with multiple speakers. In his hype, in his introductory remarks, Tome set the tone, declaring that <laughs> well, whilst entrepreneurs are not technically God, they are like him. <laughs> heresy, heresy! Eyes turning completely red. Uh, heresy redacted. Um, yeah. 
You have creative capacities, has that no one ha else has except for God. He told the audience, "Heresy, big heresy." Mm. Improving current processes never changes the world. Growing something incrementally never brings life; it only slows down death. You're here today because God wants to grow your business. God was. How is this any different from, I don't know if you ever watched the Boondocks, but there was the parody version of yes. if Martin Luther King came back and it was yeah. like at the, the event where there was the hustler preacher and he's yeah. like, buy my new book so God can tell you how to lose weight and get a husband with the businesses. And it's like, <laughs> this idea, I mean, how, is this, how is this any different? You know, th this this conference featuring a pastor Graham of Linehan who comes up and <laughs> like, just solemnly declaims that entrepreneurs are special because even God cannot nut. No, but this, this is like, this is, again, this is like a blueprint that is just being mapped onto tech, right? Like when it came to, there have been so many of like these, uh, what you call it, these preachers. Uh, not preachers, but like these, uh, like the Tony Robbins kind of motivational speaker mm -hmm. genre of people who use kind of religious language and they use religious expressions, um, and they even kind of set themselves up as if they were running like a secular megachurch, um, and mm. they've had like people who have quote unquote like benefited from them who have said I feel that like Tony Robbins was sent to me by God right mm. or they'll kind of push out but, these but ideas but like this it was destined you, for you to go the audience are, are like God right. you, ex next... you the audience you the entrepreneur exist but, but again, between this, God and humanity this is the same with the MLM stuff right the MLM stuff is one where it's like well God has taken you here so God wants good things from you God believes in your family and that's why they've brought you to Amway Right. Yeah. Every it time was, you say MLM, I think men loving men. It was they, in a, they do it, be doing that. It was so, in a fight, mm. Jim, in Luton, that God first spoke to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> speakers reinforced Tom's capitalist apologetics, complaining that God created entrepreneurs for creation and conquest, that Apostle Paul was an entrepreneur, as we mentioned before, mm -hmm. that Jesus wanted to spread the gospel, um, and he eschewed the religious elite and academians. Apostle Paul, next, thank uh, you. Fast tax businessman. Christianity yeah, was well, what, is, what is being a fisherman but having a fish startup? So, uh, here, so Christy Zulke from Knowledge Hound, who we mentioned earlier, uh, went to the 2015 conference and appreciated how the speakers addressed both practical questions of getting funding and also, quote, how to have a heart as an entrepreneur. Her own church in Chicago was called Soul City, a progressive, diverse community where the husband and wife team frequently referenced Tinder in sermons and all this is uh, doing the soy face constantly. And, and, <laughs> I love to go to the, the soul caliber church. And, and all the staff uh, wore black girl magic t shirts. Oh, oh no. As it oh, that one hit me in the fucking soul. So, Damn. just like it happened with the first group at Crossroads, the entrepreneur group at Soul Cycle quickly They're gravitated. They're all white people, aren't Soul they? Cycle, Soul City, Soul mm. City, Soul City quickly gravitated towards discussing immediate concerns such as what is the Christian way to fire someone. Uh, <sighs> where, where yeah, you said that earlier the, as a joke, but it's a real thing that they talked wh about. Where, where is the Camilo Torres of our time? To be fair, the only angel who ever got fired went on to start a very successful startup. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, he uh, there was some uh, some real estate that was undervalued for uh, reasons, and then he was able to mm. make a very hot business down there. Yeah, arguably, he started the Pepsi to God's Coca Cola. <laughs> um, uh -huh. So. 
or should Christian entrepreneurs build businesses with an evangelizing mission, or is it enough just to live out your faith by being an honorable boss? I no such bet, thing. I no such bet, thing. I can bet where they came down on that question. An honorable boss. To them. Yeah, but boss weeb. Here's the this thing. Is, this is just Mark <laughs> Corrigan boss, shit boss, now. Yeah, boss Shido. <laughs> like, yeah, what's no. good for the beehive is good for the bees. <laughs> I am an honorable man. There is no difference between Mark Corrigan and this, except they're marginally more, well, considerably more successful and marginally more religious. Yeah. So, wearing black girl magic shirt but one hand on my katana yeah. so to them all of these developments represent what they think, think of as the quote democratization of tech as the industry Ugh. spills past its enclaves on the coast may change some of the industry's character as well slower and less cutthroat than new york or san francisco and perhaps more collaborative too and that, that differences have been draws for coastal expats who've moved to the region so yeah uh i, I Democracy. The, democ the democratization of tech. Ask Rachel Thompson how that's going. What if on in top on top of her three jobs, she just learned to code? Then she could be part of the like the democratization. Mm. Well, what what the democratization of tech for them means is there's a little more mild social conservatism, and I'm I, I'm going to work a 12 hour day instead of a 20 hour day. It means mm. that Rachel Thompson still can't live in her house, or if she does, she still has to work three jobs. It mm. means that, like, she doesn't have access to any of this venture money, which is going towards, you know, starting up some, again, someone else's scammy app. You know, it, mm. it means that... In like, my father's house, there are many shareholders. There is no democracy for her from these people, right. and fundamentally. This, and again, this is exactly the same as, like, Silicon Valley, right? When they talk about the democratization of tech in um, San Francisco... Uh, what they're talking about is like anyone can, in theory, anyone can build a startup and like, you know, there's so many mm. incubators and you can just like rock up with your keyboard and that like, you could make millions um, mm. without kind of saying, but well, actually like the people who control the wealth. i to make my millions in San Francisco with my <laughs> keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a startup about space. Yeah, the, 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 there's just right, enough like, money in the startup competition to save the community. Right, but like, you know, the people <laughs> who own, save D -ream. you know, there's a small amount of people who own the wealth in San Francisco. And mm. a lot more people have gone broke in San Francisco than they have like been successful. And again, the mm. people who always fucking lose in this are the people being gentrified out of like neighborhoods that they've lived in for generations. Um, and you know, when we talk about Rachel Thompson, we're talking about the same thing. We're talking again about like a very small group of people who control the wealth, who will fund a bunch of really dumb startups mm. once like all the kind of like Christian Airbnb and Christian Tinder of like uh gotten to like you know gotten to their yeah. max a um, be with me. be with uh, thee was right. it ab um, abide with me you know and then you know the result of it is basically again the result of it is fundamentally gentrification and gentrification that fucks over people of color um and in places where there are like where the people of color are like far more spread out and there is far less bargaining power um and where there has been again like much more significant economic hits it's just kind of exacerbates the problems that we've seen in other like major cities around the world, right? Mm, also, so long as these people have democracy, uh, people like Rachel Thompson will not. Mm. Um, those two things mm. are mutually exclusive. Damn. And you know what else? Don't forget who started this whole thing. The executives of the company for which this was already a company town. Nothing, Gamble. nothing has changed. Nothing has changed except it has gotten slightly the vibes, worse. The vibes have changed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gotten more smug. Can I uh, can I suggest an episode title? Bulletproof Brunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Brunk Two. Oh, we all we're all 
Doesn't it? You don't have to be Bronk to Bronk here, but it Bronks. <laughs> Bronk a Bronk to Big Ben to Bronk for Bronks thing. If it ain't Bronk, don't fix a it. Bronx, a Bronks tale. A Bronks tale. <laughs> anyway. Once upon a time in the Bronk. <laughs> the Bronk is burning. So, uh, I, I, we've gone for like a, a full hour and a half here, so I think yeah, it's, our it's brains time for us to say mush. goodbye. Our Bronks are Bronks. Mm. Um, and I gotta, I gotta run because I have to go on holiday. To a working brunk. Uh, I have to go on a working <laughs> brunk to go to, go on holiday. So mm. I am going to say thank you once again, all of you lovely people, for listening to us. Uh, this has this has been your weekly TF. Um, as you know, there is a Patreon. Uh, five bucks a five bucks a month. You can hear it from us again on Thursday. Five bucks a brunk. Five five brunks a brunk. <laughs> yeah. Brunk from us again on Brunk's Day. Yeah, brunk it. Bunga bong for bong a bong for brunk. Bunga bob, bunga bob for Brunk, won't you? Bunga bob for Brunk. Okay. All right. um, and uh, our Brunky on. Yeah. So you can check that out. Uh, um, and also, uh, it, it, this is coming out on Tuesday, so you can you can come and Brunk me tonight at the Vaults Festival. Excuse me. Where I will be performing my my new work in progress Brunk uh, at six thirty p.m. There's a ticket link in the description. There's a ticket Brunk in the Brunk description. Exactly. Um, let's Christ. see. I'll, I'll, otherwise, you heard us talk about the live shows. Grab tickets to that. Mm. Uh, and finally, uh, you should remember that our theme song is by Ginseng. It's called Here We Go. You can find it on Spotify. Listen to it early. Listen to it often. And it's with that, very I brunk. Say, mm. Good brunk. Brunk. Good brunk to you, sir.